Stem Cells at Lunch Digested is brought to you by the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine at King's College London. Hello, uh, welcome to Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. Uh, I'm Ines Skaira, I'm a senior postdoc at the Centre for Stem Cells and Regenerative Medicine and today with me I have Dr. Nasia Merban. So Nasia is a postdoctoral researcher at the University um, uh, College of London. She's working in the lab of Professor Martin Birchill and today she's going to give us a talk on biomaterials and how to use biomaterials for the replacement of larynx. Thank you so much for coming. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so Nasia, tell us a little bit about yourself, your career path and how, how did you end up here now working on, on biomaterials? Sure, well, um, it's a very varied background and very varied uh, route. Um, quite unique, I think, that I've taken. I did my undergraduate degree in uh, nothing to do with stem cells, in forensic science and criminology. I was convinced I was going to be the next forensic scientist and that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then um, I heard about a project um, at the University of Birmingham, um, which was a European-based project where they were trying to recreate the human hand. Um, so the different European universities were involved with some, you know, recreating the bones, some recreating the skin, and Birmingham's interests were recreating the sensory parts, so the fingerprint ridges and the sensory uh, parts on the underside of the hand. So I thought, ah, fingerprints linked to forensic science, maybe I do like to do a bit of research, maybe I'd like to explore this. So by the time I chose that project, um, somebody beat me to it. And uh, <laughs> uh, somebody decided that that's the project they really wanted to do. And um, I got offered um, a few others and whether I'd like to stay and continue and pick a different project. So I chose um, one in tendons and ligaments, mm -hmm. um, engineering tendons and ligaments. And that kind of kick-started my career in regenerative medicine. So um, I was part of the chemical engineering um, department at the University of Birmingham where we recreated or tried to recreate ligaments using materials that you can buy off the shelf and modifying these materials. And I quickly realised, well, why are we modifying these materials um, up to a certain extent? Because there's only so far that you can go with them. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we trying to understand how these materials are formed and creating our own to the design that we want? Then there's no limitation, surely. Um, so beyond that, I joined a chemistry group in Bristol and um, to try and understand the chemistry a little bit. And um, I worked with a fantastic group there, um, Professor Wolfson's group, and they specialize in peptides. Um, and with these, we created and designed uh, de novo hydrogels. Um, and then I took that knowledge and I thought, okay, now I understand how these materials are, and I can really create unique materials for different applications. Mm -hmm how do I apply this to a surgical context? So here I am at UCL, I work, uh, my uh, line manager, Prof Birchall, um, he uh, is a clinician and he specializes in the upper airway, so larynx, trachea and um, bronchi. Mm -hmm. um, so I've joined a group here where I really get to go into the hospital, see patients and see the effect that the research is going to have and I try to develop materials that will be used in, in a regenerative medicine context. 
um, that will help patients. I know that one of the big problems after, for example, cancer treatments, after the surgery, the removal of the cancer, is then the reconstruction surgery that you have to perform. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's just not enough tissue left yes. to reconstruct. And I think that's where your uh, yes. devices get into place. So how does it work? Completely. So um, my materials are designed, um, they're called smart materials, and that's because um, they're not just there to provide the geometry of whatever you're trying to replace, the lost tissue that you're trying to replace, but also they've got clever chemistry on the outside that interacts with the cells. So when you embed it into the body, the cells around the tissue in the healthy part of your body will interact with that material and will behave a certain way. So we can get cells to migrate, mm -hmm. we can get them to grow a certain way, we can get them to differentiate and become something that we really need them to. So we can start to control cell behaviour. Uh, and by doing so, not only are we filling the gap that was left by accident or disease, whatever this site was, but we're also then introducing something that's not going to be problematic in the future. So no inflammation, no re-surgery and that kind of thing. So the material that you're going to graft into the patient to reconstruct their larynx, for instance, it will be just a, a biomaterial or you would have already some cells growing in this scaffolding. Uh, uh, so, for example, cells from the patients mm -hmm. or other other iPS cells or how um, does it work? At the moment, my my materials and all my experiments are based on cells that we've isolated from patient biopsies mm -hmm. to try and understand the influence that the materials have on cells human cells but also how human cells develop and interact with the material and whether they digest it and break it down over time um, so I'm kind of looking at that interplay um, so all my experiments so far are cellular based but um, they can be injected as a neat material or developed as a neat material and implanted and have tissue or cells ingressing or moving towards the material too. So that will basically um reduce all the risks of uh, biocompatibility or rejection of the graft cells. Exactly, exactly. Okay, and um, so um, tell us at the moment, what are your big questions and that you're trying to address? Um, the big questions I think, um, and my personal interest within the group is really all these materials that we're introducing to the body, what are the long-term effects, mm -hmm. not just on the cells, but on the surrounding tissue, whether the body really um, accepts it or isolates it, um, and also um, how those cells that do interact with them, how they will develop over time. Okay, and uh, so this will be a research with a higher impact to the public. So um, do you communicate a lot of with the patients? So when you when you go to the hospital and see the patients, do you kind of have the time to explain them what is what are you doing and what is their reaction? Um, unfortunately, I don't because that's the sort of my boss does that. Uh, <laughs> so Prof Birchall uh, has consultations and deals with the patient side. Um, I'm very fortunate in that I'm able to see live operations occasionally um, and um, see what, where 
my materials would fit in and what I need to build and what's feasible and what isn't feasible from a surgical perspective. Um, but certainly from um, Prof Birchall, he will uh, explain to patients mm. that um, as well as the clinical side and the surgery that he does, he also has a side that's interested in academic work where he employs scientists to try and um, figure out solutions to the, some of the problems that he's seeing in surgery. Yeah. And uh, from now, what will be your next steps in what are your future research plans? Sure. I'm in a, I'm a postdoctoral research associate, uh, a senior postdoc. Um, within the group. Um, so that means that I've had enough of experience beyond my PhD that, and I've been in a fair few groups um, that I um, and I already supervise students that I want to start my own research group and explore really some of the 10, 20, 30 ideas that are starting to come from my research and um, create separate projects for them. So I'm still in academia um, and wanting to start a, a small group to begin with, perhaps as a lecturer, um, and then expand from there. And your idea is to stay in UK? Or are you planning to um, explore other, other, other universe? <laughs> um, that's a difficult question uh, to answer. Um, I, I, uh, I did all my research so far within the UK, other than last year where I spent six months in America. Oh, fantastic. Um, however, um, with the financial situation um, and the political situation of the UK at the moment, as well as all the industries that it's um, affecting, that the public do know about, yeah the scientific community have been particularly hard hit. We used to get a lot of our funding from the European Union, and we still do, but when Brexit happens, um, a lot of that will be cut off from us. So um, we just need to be open to... So I'm, I'm to open position. to everywhere, really. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to close totally understand. <laughs> uh, and what is your favourite part about working in science? What gets you out of bed every morning? Um, the promise that my research will eventually have an impact on patients' lives. If my research can save just one life um, through my lifetime, I will die happily. <laughs> <laughs> so just uh, knowing that some of my research eventually, at the moment it's early stage, but eventually it's being developed. We go back to the patients, we come back, we redesign, we go back and see, okay, that works, that doesn't work, and so forth, until we've got something that then works and it can then be implanted into patients. And as I said, if it saves one life, then that's what gets me up in the morning. That's perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming today thank and you. Uh, share your work with us. And um, stay tuned for the next Stem Cells at Lunch Digested. Mm -hmm.